This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey friends, welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. This is a podcast for parents or anybody helping raise kids, and I hope you feel loved, encouraged, and supported through this podcast. I'm taking a couple weeks off for the summer with recording, and we decided to pick some of our favorites from the catalog, the Rolodex. And this episode we're re-airing is also with Katie Arnold, all about nurturing a love for sport and play. Katie is an ultra runner and writer. She's got a great book, Running Home. We re-aired her first episode she did with us on raising adventurous kids last week. And this week we're going to re-air episode 15. That was when it was recorded originally on the podcast about two years ago. And this episode is all about nurturing a love for sport and play. I hope you enjoy it. If you do love the podcast, please leave us a quick rating and review on iTunes or Spotify and share it with your friends on social media, your in-person friends, any way you can help us get the word out about this podcast. And we're coming back with some really great new episodes after these uh, reruns that we've aired this summer. So have a great rest of your day and uh, please enjoy my conversation with Katie Arnold. Well, today on the podcast, I'm excited to welcome back Katie Arnold to the show. Welcome to the show, Katie. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks. Great to be here with you. Yes. You said you just went up skiing this morning for the first time of the season. How was that? Oh, it was great. Yeah, they opened our our local ski mountain on Saturday, and we, we really didn't know you know, with COVID, if they were going to be able to open and what it would be like. And we took the kids up on Sunday, yesterday to ride the lifts. And oh my God, it it felt like almost like the most normal thing mm. we've done since the pandemic started. And it we were we met up with some friends and you know, we were all masked. Yeah. And, but it felt totally just like we always ski. It was really, it was so good to see the kids hanging out with their friends in like a freer way than we've been able to be. Um, So I kind of got so into it that I went back up today and um, got my ski mo gear out and was skinning up. And yeah, it's fun to have that in the mix. It's just fun to have another activity for the kids because I feel like we've been running out. Like I I think I've like flipped through our hikes in New Mexico book like a hundred times to try to find a new one. We've done them all. Yeah, you know, the nice thing about the masks, though, I was just saying this to my boys this morning because we went on, inspired by you, I keep trying to get my boys out on a walk or a bike ride before school. And my oldest was rollerblading. My second was on his bike. My... My third, I had already taken to daycare, and then my my fourth was still sleeping, and my husband was home. So everybody was all over the place. But um, we were possibly going to meet up with a couple of friends to, to ride around with us. And so I was like, make sure you bring your masks. And we didn't end up meeting up with the friends, but they wore their masks anyway because it huh. helps you stay warm. I, It does. I know. I was skiing um, this morning, skinning up. Our mountain has a masks policy, even if you're skinning and not riding the chairs. And uh, at first I was like, oh, this is hard to breathe. But then it does keep you warm. Yeah. It was keeping your chin warm. And 
And I realized like, it's not that different from normal skiing when you usually have a buff or uh-huh. something. So yeah, I think there's, um, I think that it's true, especially where you live and it's probably colder temps in the day. Like, and also yesterday we didn't need any sunblock. Oh yeah. Completely. You could not see one patch of skin on our faces between our goggles and our masks. Yeah. There, you know, eliminate the need for sunblock. <laughs> well, so last time you came on the podcast, Katie, I knew we had so much to cover. And as we got into the conversation, I realized we, if we even tried to scratch the surface of this talking about kids in sports, that it would, the conversation would end up being two hours or we wouldn't get to talk about all the things we want to talk about, you know? Right. Yeah. No, it's a huge, it's a huge subject. I think that a lot of us as parents are, um, just trying to sort out like what what's the right balance what mix is right for each family and of course it's totally different for every family right so it's there's just a different set of values and priorities that you know we have as as individuals and parents um but it's yeah there's so much to talk about kind of how to find the right balance if there is such a thing in you know balancing kids sports and organized sports with um, outdoor time and unstructured play time, that kind of thing. It's for me, I feel like it's, I'm always looking at it with my girls and trying to make sure we have the right, maybe balance isn't the right word, but ratio. Yeah. You know, I, and I think about this in everything with parenting. Okay. You have a, how did I look at things before I, how did I think about things before I had kids? Mm -hmm. How did I think about them once I had kids, but my kids were really little, like, oh, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And then how am I thinking about it now that my kids are older and we're actually walking through those experiences? Because how many times do we look back and think, LOL, I thought I was going to do it this way. Totally. Before my kids were born, I was like, I want to travel internationally every year. (laughs) And and we do go to Canada in the summer to see family, but I don't really count that because, yeah. <laughs> but I was thinking like a trip trip and, um, yeah, like that, you know, when they're tiny and little, like it's so much more work, you know, it's never, it's not a vacation. Let's be real until like, it's always an adventure or a yeah. trip, but the idea of going on vacation when you have little, little ones, it's, it's a joke, but yeah, th- I look back and I think, of some of these ambitions I had. Um, and, and there will be a time for that. You know, my kids are now of the age where we could, but of course we're not traveling. <laughs> Pandemic, yes. <laughs> you know, so you just have to keep rolling with it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so my husband and I are pretty into sports. I would say we're both fairly athletic and um, it's super fun to play. You know, I just took a little school break from my kids, work break for me and we uh, played basketball a little bit, you know, right before this interview. And it's fun to do that. But there comes a time when, you know, you do put your kids in organized sports. You do or you don't, you know, not everybody does. Um, But I was always of that camp that like, I am not putting my three-year-old in soccer. Like I am not toting people around and doing that until it really makes sense. So I'm curious for you, as your girls got to the age where you saw, other families starting to put their kids in activities. How did you approach that? 
Yeah. So I would say we're a lot like you guys. We're active. We've always been, um, my husband and I, like really outdoor athletes and kind of adventure athletes. So we come to the world and our lives from that perspective of like being outside, moving, being healthy, exploring, and having a relationship with the natural world are primary. And so, of course, we want our kids, you know, to be, to grow up doing sports and exposed to that. And, you know, I came, I grew up in the, on the East coast, New Jersey suburbs, very traditional growing up. I played three different sports, you know, different one with each season. So like I come to, um, life as a parent, you know, thinking like, okay, my kids are going to play sports. That's just like a given. So when they were little, um, you know, how to get them, you know, thinking about like, when would we start them on that organized sports? I sort of thought I would be on the later side because um, just because we have this interest in other, you know, cultivating interests in other kinds of sports that aren't organized, say like hiking or bike riding or, you know, these kind of lifetime sports Mm -hmm. or family sports you can do. So that said, like, when soccer sign up started, when I think Pippa, who's my older one, was like four, I felt like this pressure mm-hmm. <laughs> to yeah. sign her up. And I don't know where that pressure was coming from. I, I'm guessing it was largely coming from myself um, because and, and this is where we we as parents can bring our own baggage into our parenting, um, you know, dynamic, which is. I didn't get to play soccer as a kid when I, you know, my parents were divorced and when my mom remarried and we moved to New Jersey, I was in first grade. And for some reason, my mom didn't sign me up. And then by the time I wanted to sign up, I felt like it was quote unquote too late. Mm, You know what I mean? mm -hmm. Feeling of like all the kids have been playing and that's really, that was limited thinking on my part, but I was seven or eight. Right. So I would, I needed help with that mindset to shift it, to be like, wait, most kids are, you know, seven or eight years old. Like, you know, you'll catch up really quickly. But I had this idea that I missed out early that I wasn't a soccer player. And, you know, I wish I hadn't had that because probably I would have liked soccer. So I think my, my reaction then when Pippa was of that age was I wanted to give her, I didn't want her to have that same thing happen to her that happened to me, even though it was quite limited thinking on my part. Like it wasn't a real truth or accurate assessment of the situation. It just felt like that to me. So we signed her up young and, you know, watching like four or five year olds race around the field. It's fun. It's a fun outlet. Mm -hmm. And I think because we didn't have her in any other team sports, it was like a fall season thing. You know, it was kind of just like a whim. And, and, you know, she did it each season after that, but like their skills at that age for the most part are, (laughs) are like (laughs) quite marginal. I think there, you know, my guess would be like one in 10 kids would, it would make a difference that they started so early. Sure. But what I noticed is that when her school friends joined in when they were probably like eight or nine, there was not a whole lot of difference in the skills. Yes. Like nine-year-olds caught up really fast to those early adopter kids, the kids who'd started really early. And so it was sort of like, you know, more, I think it was probably just like training us to be in that team mindset, but we didn't need to sign her up. I think that's the bottom line is that it was not too late, you know, if she'd started in third grade, not by any 
long stretch of the imagination. But we as parents have that fear that like we're going to miss out or our kids will miss out. And so I think there's that tendency to put them into organized sports earlier than we need to and earlier than probably we'll even see you know, results. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, I think there's a couple of factors too, because I've, I've kind of always sung this tune, like, I'm not going to be like toting my kids around to five different things. And if we start so young, then that's like all we're going to be doing. But I mean, I think a couple things like for my first kid, it was like, what else are we going to do? Like, let's, we, you know, we want something to do on the weekend, like, and we want to get out of the house and it's a really great um, learning experience to, to have to like be out there with your team and kind of start getting that first taste of what it means to be a teammate. Yes. But then again, now that I have four, it's like my third and fourth kids, they are not going to be signing up for sports anytime soon because I just, I'm not going to manage all those things. So I think, I think my point with that though, is that like, there's really no right or wrong no. answer here. It's just like what makes most sense for your life in the time that you're in. I think that's right. I think there's definitely no prescription, a single one size fits all for any family. But I think the most important factor is to be curious and be willing to sort of look under the hood of your own um either assumptions or logic around starting your child early. Like probably if I had really examined why I felt the need to put Pippa in soccer at like four, I would have seen like, oh, it's because I feel like I missed out, but will she really miss out? It's hard to answer that when you, when it's your first child, right? You don't know, like you're just completely winging it. Probably with my, you know, with your, when you're second, if you have another child who comes along, like if Pippa hadn't been in soccer, like we signed Maisie up for soccer because Pippa was doing it. Yeah. So it was like, might as well have two trips, you know, two girls down there at the same time. Um, but, you know, probably with the second one, you just know more and you kind of, you have a better understanding of your motivations and like, and what your stuck points might be on like the stories you're telling yourself that may or may not be true. I mean, that said, I do think of course, it's so great to have kids out playing and moving and getting that sort of fresh air and movement. I won't call it exercise. I mean, it is, but like they just kids just need to be like in motion a lot mm -hmm. and kind of getting out there. And um, and for us, right, like we knew that we would skew farther toward the end of like more outdoor sports, more family sports, more sort of adventure things than team. And so um we just, I felt it, they do need those team sports. Like I think to have exposure, like and my kind of, my thought was like one, when she was that age, probably until like late elementary, now she's in middle school. Like the idea is that she'd have one team sport a year and then the others would be skiing or mountain biking or, you know, whatnot um, to round it out. But so I, I felt that I wanted to give her that team experience because it is so important to be a player, a team player, to have that you know, uh, respect for your coach and to be able to take instruction, all that is so important. I love that idea, like having the one team sport and then, but also mm -hmm. making sure that you're doing all like other activities as well, yes. because that's one of the things I wanted to talk about is that the one sport specializing that you see some people yeah. doing. And that's a topic I really struggle with. And here's why. So my son, he's, he's doing soccer and, mm -hmm. That's the sport that he has found the most interest in. And 
he's only eight. And so I'm kind of stuck in this place where I'm like, okay, so soccer's our thing with him, but we want him to do other sports. Yeah. However, we aren't willing to sign him up for like all these other sports to try them out while we're always doing soccer because there's like, we're not going to be his taxi driver 24 <laughs> seven. Right. You know, before we really have to be. So it's kind of because, so I was talking to my husband about this and I was like, well, what do we do then? Because we want to keep nurturing soccer. And he says, well, you just do one sport a season. And I'm like, well, soccer's fall and spring. So what do you do? Yeah. Well, that, that was going to be my answer is like use the seasons as like the natural changeover. Um, I think that's a really healthy way to be just as a human and especially in as, a, as an adult. Like we just talked earlier, like I just started skiing. That's important to me to have like an off season in my running mm. or a lower season of running and introduce skiing because it just gives your body a break. It also is mentally more stimulating. Like I was so more much more excited to go up the mountain this morning to ski than I would have been to run, mm. I, you know, and so I think kids are the same that we need um, diversity in our movements and, and also sort of for our mental health. So I would say like your husband used the seasons as, you know, an, a way to change. And I get it that they do spring and fall because that's the same thing in New Mexico is Pippa was playing fall soccer. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew there was spring going on, but we just were like, you, you play in the fall. Mm, okay. And, and, but, you know, as she got older and the girl's skills got better, mm-hmm. I felt like, yes, she is missing out a little, like, on her soccer skills because she's not playing two seasons. But for us, she, you know, she actually discovered lacrosse, which is a, the team sport I played um, in junior high and high school and college. And she fell in love with lacrosse. So that was sort of easy to be like, well, lacrosse is spring and soccer is the fall. And just, you know, that the chips are going to fall where they do because she, you know, she's making that choice. And if she's not as skilled at soccer, so be it, you know, like you kind of have to make that choice. But I think the, it becomes this sort of danger zone or like tricky spot when the, when the sports go all year, Mm -hmm. I think is, I mean, let's face it, a lot of it is like it's a business for these. Oh, sure. Sports. And so if they can have two seasons of soccer and and sort of, you know, send the message to parents, like if your kids aren't playing both, they're going to, you know, not be at the skilled level or they're not going to tr- play elite level or travel. You know, that's it's, you know, a lot of it is this bottom line for the for the team sports. And um, so it's it comes down to like a little bit of a pushback from the parents and and making conscious choices of like, okay, she's going to choose lacrosse in the spring um, and soccer in the fall. And that's just a healthy balance for her, I think. Um, But, yeah, it's tricky. Like if your child like your son, it sounds like would he play both seasons if he could like he's that into it. Yeah, I think you would. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you try it and then can you introduce something in the winter? Do you know what I mean? Like hockey or or basketball or something um, to sort of like mix it up? Yeah, I think so. But I also think I because I love what you're saying and I I relate this to our own running as adults too is having like downtime, like having like off seasons um, mm-hmm. where you say you go skiing, but I'm like, I also kind of love as a parent, like when soccer season wrapped up this fall to just be like, 
we don't have organized sports right now. Yes. You know right. what I mean? Like yes. there's, we're going nowhere. Like there's no, there's no commitment to Saturday morning, anything right now, which feels really nice. But that said, you can take a month and then hop back in. Yeah. I mean, and think if you feel that the kids, oh, right. That too, right? Like they may not be able to articulate it, but like, oh, wow, our Saturdays feel like, you know, t- as a parent, it's like they feel more spacious. As soon as soccer ends, you're like, oh my God, we don't have to drive. Because for us, our, our fields are way on the other end of town. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, you're aware of the resources it takes to get your kids down there just from traveling and driving and emissions and like, you know, all those things that we, we think about or should be thinking about. And so when it ends, it's just that like relief. And then it's like, oh, now, and then there's that pause and you probably want like a month off, like you're saying. And then that interest in something, well, like maybe we should try skating or is there something nearby um, that we just sort of like, learned so important to keep beginner's mind I think for all of us like at no matter where we are in terms of age like as parents and children to be willing to to try new things and to try things never done before and to go into it with that sort of openness of like I don't know what this is going to be like like a friend of mine in St. Paul just signed up for skate ski lessons she's in her mid-40s and I was like I love that you know like so maybe those that winter you can have sort of like a season in between the two soccer seasons that's like a try anything or like let's try something new or or a family sport season like for us it's it's easier because we have skiing you know just 30 minutes up the road um so that like if we have team sports in fall and spring winter is like family time and summer is the family time I love that. I love that idea. And I think that we have to be intentional about that. We're not doing team sports right now. What is something that they might enjoy that's different where they're moving their bodies? I mean, because Mm -hmm. I've, you've, I've talked to so many professional runners on my podcast and a common theme I hear and not saying that my kids or anybody's listening's kids are meant to be professional athletes, but like the common theme I hear is I'm so grateful that my parents had me do multiple sports and not just dedicate myself to running from a young age because I just feel like my body is much more capable and like nimble and durable and can do so many different movements because I did the different sports. Definitely. And they they say that kids need um, all those different sports to right to work like eye hand coordination. Like if we just been running I didn't either. Thank goodness. I've always run and loved it as like a personal thing. Um, But, you know, growing up, I played tennis. Like I'd say my main sports were tennis and then my team sport was lacrosse. And like, you know, thank goodness because, you know, kids need eye-hand coordination. Like they, you know, they need all those skills. And to be exposed to different sports, both individual, right, that has a different feel like you know, when it's a one-on-one sport versus a team sport where, you know, you you need to be cognizant of all the other players on the field and sort of work with that dynamic. Yeah, there's, I think, I think it's really important for kids to diversify. In some of my reporting for outside, you know, I spoke to experts who were saying that if your child is specializing, and by that, I think, um, this person meant like one sport year round, Mm -hmm. you know, so, so, you know, not probably two seasons, but like four seasons, 
before the age of 14, they are at risk, much greater risk of injury and burnout um, and just losing that, the joy for the sport, which is really ultimately the thing you want more than any, more than all the ribbons combined, right? Any first place, you know, state championship is like, do they really love it? Like, is it coming from the inside? Is it this intrinsic motivation? Um, and and that's at risk, I think, when you push kids to specialize too early. Like I know that some, you know, gymnastics, I guess, gets a bad rap. That like, oh yeah, doing it year round and like many hours a day. And um, I just think, and the you know the expert I was speaking to at the time was saying, you know, there's a time and a place for that, but like late middle school, you know, 14 years old is the time. Like if the child has the interest and it's coming from them. So not like the parents saying like, you need to specialize in, in gymnastics and you're going to do it year round. But if the, ch- if the child wants to, um, that's, you know, probably the, the, the time to do it, but certainly not before. I mean, think of all the things that they'd be missing if they were doing just one sport from a very early age, which I, I think there's like an increasing number of kids who do that. Yeah, the gymnastics thing is tough because, well, first of all, let's just say there is a very small percentage of the population that's going to end up being an Olympian. Um, but right. those those women and men who do make it to the Olympics, like a lot of times those girls are like 14 or I don't know how old they are, but they're very young. No. So I'm sure that... If there are kids or parents who have the slightest thought that that could be them, that they have that massive pressure to go all in so young. I know. It'd be interesting, too, to sort of like do some research into what what that, you know, those parents, if they were young athletes themselves or kind of what is that driving factor for them? Because I, I do think gymnastics is kind of in its own category. Uh-huh. Uh, it does seem to go year round from a very young age. I don't know if it's because it's an indoor sport, yeah. right? So yeah. there's not like, it's not a weather driven sport, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. And, and I think those weather driven sports are really helpful because, you know, when there's snow in the winter, we ski and, you know, like, and, and when it's nice out, we're playing outside. And so those indoor sports are tricky because you could go all year round. And I, and I think many do. And, um, that would just be a red flag, I think, or just a, a, a good reason to sort of start asking yourselves those more complicated questions of like, well, why are, you know, if you're putting your child who's, you know, not 12 even into one single sport all year round, like that, that's a good moment to sort of examine, um, what, what your impetus is for that. Cause I think that there's a risk that the child is missing out on other, activities, there's a risk that it's coming, it's driven by the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a risk for injury and, and burnout. Yeah. And, and like you said, other things, like not just other activities, just life, just like, hanging out. Yes. Just like running around with the neighbors because you are constantly at some sort of practice. You can't do that because you're always gone. Yeah. I mean, I, re- I remember kids growing up and gymnastics is a big one where that was a thing. Gymnastics is a big one. And like, I know someone whose child was in, um, gymnastics probably in, she was seven and she was doing like two to three hours of training a day. Mm. 
That seems like a lot. I mean, there's no question that American kids are not moving as much as they need to. And there have yeah. been studies, you know, and, and the recommendation is one hour of moderate, you know, exercise or movement every day. And um, I think there was a report last year, earlier this year that came out that said 80% of American kids don't get that. Wow. And that's a huge number. And then of that 80%, there's a huge gender split so that girls are getting far less than the boys, which is also a major red flag. Um, so kids do, you know, like I am 100%, you know, we need to get our kids outside or in, you know, indoors if it's winter and it's safe, you know, moving every single day and an hour and vi you know, moderate exercise is not, you know, walking around the block. And so that's really important. But then I think it can go too far, you know, in those rare cases where the kids are doing so much training and, and I think that's just unnecessary at that age. And it, and it's not probably a very healthy and balanced approach. Well, and I like that you use that word training because I read the article um, that you wrote. There's an article that you wrote about a friend having your you help her daughter run. Get, you know, run. And right. you, you say, I yes, but it's, it's not going to be training. It's, you know, we're going out and we're going for a run on the trails, but we're not calling this training. And, and I think that's something we should talk about is, um, you've also written another article about encouraging play and not competition. And yeah. I think that it's so important that we teach our kids that like, like you said earlier, th this is for the joy of it. That's, I mean, ultimately that's what it is. If we look at the longevity of our own running if we're right. not doing it for the joy of it, what then are we doing it for? Right. Right. I mean, if we're just doing it either to impress someone or maybe as kids, like our, we thought our parents wanted us to run or we are then trying to get, you know, to win, to, you know, impress our coaches, like that will carry you a pretty far away, right? Like you can get some miles, pun intended, on that. <laughs> those motivations. But I think you're, and they've shown, they've done studies, the chances of you sticking with that, you know, past your competitive, you know, career, say in, in high school or even college is pretty low. I mean, um, and so what I'm trying to do as a parent is to foster in my girls a love for being in motion, being like strong bodied, um, confident girls who have a range of skills in lots of different sports. And so to expose them to lots of different things so that they can find the one or two or three things that they really love that bring them joy. And, um, or even to be kind of like my husband and me, like we really do lots of different things and, you know, we each do a couple things, you know, pretty well, but we, we do, you know, we have a pretty wide repertoire of outdoor sports that we do. And, um, I think that's just, I hope that we'll be doing them. You know, I plan on doing them my whole life. And that's what my, my hope would be for our girls is to just raise them to be, you know, really physical and embodied children who are comfortable in their bodies, who, you know, know how to push themselves when needed and how to rest when needed. Um, but I guess, you know, just really to have a relationship with their physical selves. Mm -hmm. And and that may sound so simplistic or obvious, but 
I feel like increasingly in our world where so much is virtual and and there's so many um, ways that we can kind of bypass the physical experience, uh, like we need, you know, to have a relationship with ourselves. And sometimes I'll just ask my girls, like the other day I took my little one running with me and we just go a mile and a half up and a mile and a half back and in the arroyos and it's just sand and trail. And so it's very casual. And um, on the way back, to the car and it was almost dark and we had our headlamps on and she was like, mom, this just feels so natural to me Mm -hmm. to run. And I was like, I love that. That's all, that's what you want. Like, I don't care. You know, we're not timing it. Like I'm not, she's not training for anything, but I was like, that's the feeling that you want to sort of help them lock into themselves. Like, oh, it feels natural to move and it feels good. And when I get home, I have those endorphins. I feel confident in the rest of my life. Kind of all the reasons that we as adults do our sports. You know, we want that for our kids and, and to have, and for them to start to have that awareness to sort of connect the two, like, Oh, when I move and when I go outside and ride my bike for an hour with a friend, I come home and I'm like ready to tackle my homework or I have more energy, you know, or I'm, I'm just happier. Hey friends, a quick break here to let you know that this podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions Network. We have three other shows in this network. If you are into running at all, we have two podcasts that you might enjoy. One is called I'll Have Another with Lindsay Hine, and that's where I interview runners and learn about their life. More than just running, but we talk about running quite a bit. And then we also have the Up and Running podcast with Lauren and Abby, and they're bringing you all the latest news in elite and professional distance running. And then we have the Illuminate podcast, co-hosted by myself, Kristen Sruer, and Emma Benner. Emma is heavily carrying that load over there, and she's doing an amazing job. That's a podcast where we are sharing stories of people who are doing positive, uplifting work in this world. You can learn more about those shows when you go to sandyboyproductions.com and we have an Instagram page for Sandy Boy, Sandy Boy Productions. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Katie Arnold. I get stuck on this competition, like encourage play, not in competition, because when my son plays soccer, he sometimes like, you know, he's, he's only eight, but he'll like zone out. And I'm like, wait, don't you want to win? I'm like, don't you want to make that goal? Or, you know, if, if he, he's done running up the field, then he just kind of like checks out for a minute. And I'm like, how do I cultivate this relationship with sport for him where he wants to work hard and winning is not all that matters, but it's still important to put his best foot forward for the rest of his teammates. You know what I mean? It's so, yeah. it's so challenging. Right. Well, it's tricky. And I think like that, you know, that perspective, when I just heard you say that, I'm like, oh, that's because like, I, I want to be let, like, I, you know, I struggle with competition where it's like, if I get out there, like sometimes I just want to be able to like kick back and have fun, but I'm pretty competitive. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, letting your kids, first of all, I think that with your, like, I think it happens with age. Like it seems like your, your children are exposed to lots of different sports and you and your husband are both super engaged with their sports in a really healthy way. So I, I think those competitive impulses will sort of naturally start to coalesce. Um, and you know, cause he's still really young yeah. at eight. 
Um, and, and give, let him sort of like find his way into it. But I, I do think it's important and I'm with you, like when you're on the field, like you should be trying your hardest. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it's not trying your hardest with the only goal being winning, but like you said, trying your hardest to, you know, for your teammates sake, or, you know, just to show, just to teach yourself how important it is, like to give something your all right. And like, don't walk, so you don't have to leave the field thinking like, well, what if I tried a little harder, but to have the emphasis be on the feeling of being on the field and knowing you're trying your best and how good that feels inside versus like how good it feels to win. Yes. So I think that's a healthy way to encourage, right. Cause I mean, I'm with, I'm with you. If I see my daughter who's like, and she's not trying that hard, like yeah. I just get really irked on the Me sidelines. Too. And then you start becoming like, you sort of yell and yeah. you're like, Heller. I mean, I'm definitely the, like, I can really yell on the sidelines. <laughs> like, I don't want anyone listening to think that I'm like, you know, exempt from that. Like you get caught up. Yes. I think it's, you want to see them, um, giving it like, I sort of think of it like wholehearted effort, like really put yourself into it and let go of what the results are going to be. So if the girls played hard and like were engaged and knew where the ball was and like were running a lot, like it doesn't matter if they win or lose. Totally. Yes, totally. (laughs) I know. I've thought about that so much this past fall soccer season. And our big thing is we always say to, to him, when he goes out to the field, we, we say the two things we care about are that you have fun and that you work hard. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, yeah, it's like, I don't want to focus too much on the work hard part yet. This is like a life lesson. It's like life, you yeah. work hard for things you care about. And also it's like when you, you know, when you grow up and you, and you work with other people and you're on a team with other people, you're not just working hard for yourself. You're working hard for your team. Right. And those are the life lessons that, you know, really team sports can help teach our children and why they're so healthy, you know, because let's face it, most kids after we are going to age out of soccer, say, you know, like um, they'll probably maybe they'll play adult league, but like say after high school and, and fewer than after college won't be playing a team sport, but they will be playing a team sport like in life, which mm-hmm. is like or being in a family. And so those skills of like applying yourself, like working hard and respecting your teammates or the, the people that you're with is, are so important. And so, yeah, I would just say like work hard, try your best. Like if, if my girls are, are having fun and trying their best, like that's, you know, that's a win no matter what the scoreboard says. For sure. It's funny you brought up that you're yelling on the sidelines because I was going to ask you what kind of sideline mom are you? <laughs> I, I'm mostly like I can I'm pretty chill, but like I do get excited. I love watching them play, especially soccer, because I guess I, you know, because I didn't play soccer. So I'm probably like foisting some of that onto them. But I get caught up like I love when they're like running fast with the ball, uh-huh. and make a good play. Um, but I'm not like I'm more an excited yeller. I'm definitely not like a mean, like a mean coach yeller, you know, like I'm just, I'm encouraging or I just get caught up like that. I'm a, you know, I, I'm a passionate person. And so it's like, oh, it's really fun to watch my kids, but I don't coach from the sidelines. First of all, with soccer, I don't know anything about it. So that's good. And then I do coach my girls playing lacrosse and, um, 
And so like in that capacity, I, my yelling is sanctioned because I am the coach. Oh, you're the, you are the actual coach. I'm the coach. Yeah. 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 Um, but, and I will, I should say like with all of this, like my girls have not played, um, organized sports since, um, March. Oh, and right. We've had zero sports here and I know it's different for everyone all over the country. Um, and so we're in a real like team sports hiatus um, which feels very spacious and there's lots of opportunity to try different things, which, you know, has been great, but we're also, I am cognizant that like we're missing that mm-hmm. and the girls are missing that experience and they're missing quite frankly out on skills. Yeah. You know, and I think about that, but, but this is a statewide mandate. So no one's playing sports in New Mexico and wow. um, there was a sport. A, yeah, no, nothing. Not even, there was, not any outdoor sports. Nope, no organized youth sports. Like we had lacrosse for our our girls and like six other girls who were in their pod. And we did like, you know, an eight girl yeah. once a week lacrosse, but that was that was just a like a organized thing by us. Um but yeah, nothing. And um I know yeah, I, I it's interesting. It just feels like we're in different countries because yeah whose kids are doing like multi-sports. I, I don't, I can't figure it out. Like, and there was a piece yesterday in the New York times about how parents are grappling with whether or not to send their kids to sports. And I was like, well, some of us don't even like, that's not an option. option. Yeah. Well, we, we started sending to soccer camp this, this summer, which was a godsend that it was right down the street from our house. We could literally walk two Mm -hmm. blocks to soccer Yeah, it was amazing. And I didn't bat an eye about it because it was outside in the summertime. And um, I I felt really comfortable with it. But, you know, it's interesting. The soccer camp that we did, we did four weeks for my older son. It was like nine to noon. I thought it was a really healthy amount of time and it was temporary. Yeah. Uh, My my number two kid, who was five and a half at the time, he only lasted one week. But um, which was a healthy amount for him, I think. But my, my older son was really into it. And, you know, like with COVID, we, there was nothing else going on. So, um, but my point is, is this group that was putting on the camp is, is a popular club team here in the city. And we were so close once that camp wrapped up to joining their club. Mm-hmm. And I am so glad we didn't. Not because their club, there's anything wrong with their club, but it's very expensive, which to me screams exclusive. Yeah. And it was weird. I just felt like it was this natural pressure. You know, they, they were like, we'd like to invite him to join the club. And then there was just this assumption that we had the money to afford it. You know what I mean? And anyway, we ended up finding another club, which was like literally an eighth of the price, an eighth of the price. <laughs> Um, that's an amazing group of kids, but it's just showed me how easily you can just slip right into that, like very expensive club. Right. And they had that language down of like, we want to invite your invite. son. So you feel like, oh, he's, he's you know, good. special or he's really good or which I'm sure he is, but it's like that language uh-huh. instead of like, would you like to sign up? It makes you feel you special. Talk- Right. And, and I think I like those couple of things you brought up too, because I think those are important when considering like what sports to sign your kids up for is like, 
location, you mentioned that one was right down the street. Like for us and our family, that's really important. Like we can have some sports like, well, just soccer is far away. And it's like a commitment of time and resources to drive out there. And like, um, the kids can't get there on their own, which is a big deal. Like, so we really try to then have sports where it's hyper local and in Santa Fe, it's harder because there's not that many fields and there's certainly not many clubs, but lacrosse is something that happens close by so the girls can ride up there. And so it's really, I think, to think about location, like how far are you driving your kids and yeah. how much time in the car, which is that's time that you as a human adult aren't moving your body, right? Like, so that's time when you can't like take care of yourself in the physical way you need to. And if you have lots of kids, maybe that's time that the kids, the other kids have to ride with you. So you have this dynamic where one child is playing and like four or five other members of the family are just like riding in the car. Oh, totally. That's something to think about is like, just how far is it? And cost, I think is a really big indicator of like, is this is this a reasonable cost? If this is like not a big, big financial output or big commitment, it's so much easier to sign up. It sends the message too, like, this is a child sport. Like this, this is not like, you know, we're trying to get a scholarship to like defend one, right? Like this. And, and so looking at those two factors to, you know, and using those to help you make your decision. And that was, it sounds like you really went with your gut on that. And then it turned out to be the right move because there's, there's usually always another option. You just have to sort of look around. You have to look. You have to look. And then I spoke to, um, a writer last year who, um, oh my gosh, I'm going to forget this name, but he, um, Oh, was it Karen Krauss? I think so. She wrote a great book called Norwich and it's based on this town in Norwich, Vermont, where that produced, um, a lot of really, um, talented Olympians from this one town in Vermont. I think it was Vermont or maybe it was, no, it was Vermont. And, um, and you know, she was looking at sort of their stories and almost to a, to an athlete, they did not specialize early. So they had a wide range of experiences. They became very competent and confident as in themselves as athletes Mm -hmm. without being labeled a specific, you know, soccer player or skier, right? Like they were an athlete and that was kind of their mindset. Um, but my point is, is that a lot of them also, their parents got involved in coaching, Um, Not because they were sort of that like overbearing soccer mom, but because quite the opposite, they were trying to create a scenario where it wasn't high pressure year round sport. And so the author found that these parents who were willing to step in and say, you know, I'm not seeing what I need for my child or a healthy approach to the sport currently on offer in our community. So I'm going to step in and give time and energy and create the kind of culture, sports culture that I think is healthy for a kid of this age. And actually, after I spoke to Karen and interviewed her, um, she'd be a great person for your show, by the way. Um, I, um, I really took it to heart. And that's when I sort of stepped forward and was like, you know, if, 
to my husband, Steve, like if we believe that our girls, we want them to be athletes, but we want it to be a healthy balance and, um, that we need to step in because we have this time and skills, or I had the skills to coach lacrosse and my husband has time. And so like her point was that if, you know, you probably have either the skills the time or some money to like to create, if you're not seeing that coaching or team experience for your child, like maybe you can create it. And I, I like that. It just made me think of what you said, because it, it sounded like you weren't willing to just go all in with this one team and you wanted to look around. And that I is so smart. Oh my gosh. It, I love yeah. that concept. Right. Like, and, and, you know, you don't have to be great. Like my husband played lacrosse a little bit in New Jersey growing up and I played, you know, but it's just enough to get the kids out there playing, moving. Like I don't have the professional drills. Like, you know, it's sort of a little ragtag, but honestly, like it's so healthy for the girls. And, um, you know, I was reading in that New York times story that I was just mentioning, um, yesterday in the, in the Sunday paper about how, um, parents are grappling with sending their kids back. And um, the writer had found this one coach who videos every practice so so that parents don't have to go and sit on the sidelines, right? They're trying to keep numbers down and distancing, Mm -hmm. which I think is so smart. But when I read that, of course, I was like, oh my God, a coach is videoing. Like, Why do parents need to see the practice? (laughs) Like parents need to see the practice? Like, I mean, that... Yeah, that is not me as a parent. I'm like, if my child is going to practice, like, I, I'll watch a little bit, but then I'm out, right? Like, I've got. I'm going to Target. I'm running an errand. I'm going to go for a run. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was just, um, it was, it was interesting. But I, I think that just goes to show there's like parents all along the spectrum, like the parents who are just so all in on like my child's going to play team sports and go, you know, to division one. And then obviously there's lots of kids who don't even get the opportunity. So, um, I, you know, I think it's important to acknowledge that end of the spectrum too, that for some like team sports would be like, they probably need more of it and, and more opportunities. And it's hard, um, it's hard for lots of kids to get that. It's just financial, the cost. Um, and, and yeah, so it's, it's tricky on both ends. Yeah. The accessibility is huge. I mean, the, the thought of joining that club, I mean, and how simple that would have been it it, for us. And I'm like, that's, it just felt, that felt gross to me. It felt really gross. And it felt gross to me, um, for my kids not that they needed to know the price tag, but just right. that like it would be assumed that they're going to go do this like club that all these other kids do. I just I did not like any of that. Um, and actually, I think that was that's kind of been one of our bigger issues. We live close to downtown in the city and there are tons of lower cost like clubbish sports in the suburbs um, that aren't like those like fancy club uh, right. like travel teams, but right in the city, unless you're talking about like a YMCA or something like that, there's not as many options. And so, um, I, I had actually said something about that to my husband. I was like, well, someone needs to create it then. Um, yeah. And well, there you go. And so you don't need to be the one to create it maybe, but you might go like, you have a good network, right? Like you might talk to other parents and be like, Hey, here's this need. 
does do we know anyone who could help us create this? Yeah, and that's that thing that goes on in that town in Vermont that like was so supportive of kids and like growing them as athletes, but in a really healthy, mindful way. Yes, I I love that so much, um, and I and it that can feel overwhelming too. I mean, totally. it's just like problems in the school system and all these different things where you're like, well, you know, what needs to happen. Parents need to get involved and it's, it can feel like a really big overwhelming problem. But I think just like taking that one step or getting, getting like a, a core group of like five parents who want right. to get involved together, um, can make a big difference. Well, like out here, my friend, um, my friend Megan, who's a physical therapist and my physical therapist, she, you know, because we've had no sports, her kids are really, she has two boys and they're really into soccer. And so she created just like a neighborhood group with like four other moms and they do like mom V boys, you know, to pick up soccer twice oh, a week. Fun. The moms play the boys. Yeah. And I love so it. That was something, right? She, she saw a need like there for the, for her kids and she, you know, organized it, um, loosely and, yeah, I think sometimes it gets overly complicated and, you know, and certainly like where I live in Santa Fe, there's so many fewer options. So things are naturally less complicated, but it sounds like in a city, a larger city, like where you live, there's a lot of options and it can feel like, oh, this is our only option. We have to do it. And then you'd probably be sucked in and like, he'd probably be going down the path to being like year round soccer player. Oh, you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, and, and also just last note on the, the, I love the mom that, you know, that created that experience in her neighborhood. Cause I have, because I have found in COVID times, um, you know, the people that we have been around and surrounded ourselves with have been our neighbors, which is amazing. And I see, right. And I mean that in general, that's how we live in our community, but I see my neighbors and my kids see the neighbor friends way more than I actually see my extended family. And so if you're going to expose yourself and be outside playing sports with other people, like your neighbors probably make the most sense because that's who you're naturally around physically anyway. Right. And it does seem like, yeah, you know, just seeing your social feed, like it does seem like you have that more neighborhoody experience and feeling where you live, which is so great. So I think if anyone listening has that, you know, and it's like you live in a neighborhood with sidewalks and where there are kids living nearby, like, and, and maybe that scene with the kids isn't happening. Maybe there's something you can do to help foster that. You know what I mean? And like lots of people, like we have some kids in our neighborhood and, and, but it's not, um, it's not as conducive. Um, but I think that's a good segue into like, I do want to say that to balance out like the organized team sport is that free play mm -hmm. um, component that's so important for kids. And so for us, that looks like our girls going out riding their bikes, you know, and riding to a friend's house or my older one is is now can meet a friend and go mountain biking on a trail. It's like a 45 or 50 minute ride. And um and, and so letting kids have some freedom around how they move and what they like to do and who they do it with is really, um, important. And it's, it's harder now. I mean, 
COVID's made it harder, but also just the way we live as families. More parents have two parents working, and there's fewer kids, I think, out on the move. Maybe not where you live. Are there are there lots of kids out, kind of playing at all all hours? Where you oh live? gosh, I think it. I think it's very weather dependent. If I'm being honest. Yeah, and see, you know, I think in a lot of places it's not even weather dependent. I think it's just not part of. Yeah. Um, how families raise kids anymore is to like, just go out and play. And so that's something that we've been really trying to create for our girls here. I think that it's possible, like parents listening, whether or not you have that sort of like idyllic cul-de-sac, you know, with like 10 families on it, that's the kind of street I grew up on. And you, you know, literally kids in every single house up and down the road. Um, but I don't have that now. My girls don't have that. But you can still find ways to create it, which is like we just take neighborhood bike rides. And we've been doing that since the girls were young. And we create this little route. Um, and we find these little like sort of back alleys and passageways that we call secret passageways. And so they now they've done it enough with me that now like they'll just be like, we're going to go do the secret passageway route or we're going to go ride over here. And um, it's it's po- totally possible. It's just a matter of like you as a parent really need to spend time with your kids doing it. Right. So that they both become, you, they become comfortable and you become comfortable with them doing it. So it's an investment of time. And I think honestly, that's why those organized sports are easier for some st- parents to stomach because it's like, well, we'll just drop the kids off. Yeah. But, but this sort of building them up or training them to have that freedom and independence takes a lot more time on the parents end, right? It's like, let's ride this like 500 times together, (laughs) you know, just threw that number out, but let's ride this a lot before I'll even think about you riding it by yourself. But then one day they'll be ready, you know, be ready if you put in the work on the front end. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the freedom that comes with the whole free play that you're talking about. And I mean, I think probably some people would be shocked at how young I let my kids run down the the street, 10 houses to the neighbors by themselves. But, um, I also want to say too, you know, you mentioned it looked like in my feed, if anybody follows me on social media, um, you know, that we have a lot of like neighborhood friends and things like that. And, but I want to mention like, that's so intentional. Like I didn't just like stumble upon all these friends, you know what I mean? Like I will, literally if I'm walking down the street and I see a younger family, like I will, I will like go out of my way to like introduce myself and make sure, because I do want that. Like I, I, I strive for that so much. And I think it would be really easy to just say hello and keep walking. Um, but also I've struggled with that in 2020 because I actually felt like, um, you know, the year or to the year postpartum with my last baby, I felt like I was in this place where I just didn't have space to like bring on new friendships or anything Mm -hmm. like that. So I was like, these are my people head down. Like this is who I'm connected with. I I don't have space to bring in more. And now that I feel like I'm kind of out of that phase and I'm ready to bring on new friends, COVID happens. And it's like so frustrating because you can't really like venture out and bring all these new people into your you know, family so much. Right. You know, I love what you said. It ha- Yeah, it's intentional. And like you are creating that um, experience that you want for your family, which is like to meet new people and introduce and to have a relationship with your neighbors. And even if it's in COVID and it's now from afar with a mask. From afar, on, yeah. 
Like for us, um, a family moved in down the street um, and um, Pippa knows the daughter from lacrosse. And it's just so nice because I'm like, well, we know she's down there. So sometimes I'll be like, just why don't you walk down and see her? Or I can text her mom and you guys can go for a walk with your masks on. And, you know, but it's it would also be easy to just wave at them and never connect that way. But, you know, we need to sort of model that kind of behavior for our kids and um, show them that, like, actually what it means to be a neighbor is to reach out and to, you know, to visit in a way that feels comfortable to both and and to to really, like, live where you are, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like, having your place, which means knowing your neighbors and, um, you know, even if they're, like, older you know, like know that this woman lives here and she walks her dog and, you know, and it, and it also helps because then, you know, if your kids are out on their own and need someone totally like, familiar, right? Like it's sort of like, I think of it as like mapping our neighborhood and it's like, who lives there? And like making the kids learn how to be aware, right? Of like their surroundings and who's out and, oh, there's that person walking the dog. They always walk it at this hour and just help them become more observant um, which I, I think also helps, um, you know, give them some protection in the world. Like with, if they're aware of their surroundings and who's out there, you know, everyone's like, oh, how do you send your kids out without a phone? And, um, and it's partly because, you know, I've, we've talked about if you need help, go here yes. or the libraries, I mean, everything's different in COVID, right? Things aren't open, but like, if you need help, this, you can go on, knock on this door. If you're downtown, go in, go into the library or, you know, and like, honestly, you, you know, it's good to have those conversations as the kids get older of scenarios and like, what would you do if, um, and so I think it's just helping kids be a little bit more durable and, um, independent in the world. Oh, I 100% agree with that. Um, all right, Katie. Well, this has just been fun. I hope that we've encouraged you listeners to, you know, try something new for yourself and for your kids and to do it your way. Not yeah. the way I'm doing it, not the way Katie's doing it, not the way your neighbor's doing it. There's there's no one way to do it. That is really well said. There's no one way, there's no right way or wrong way. And it's just, yeah, like do it the way that feels right for your family and your kids and yourself, right? Because the parents have to factor in too. Like just what you were saying about not chauffeuring your kids all over, right? Like there's balance. (laughs) For sure. Um, All right, Katie. Well, thank you for your time and we'll we'll do it again sometime. That was really fun. Thanks, Lindsay. And uh, take care. Have fun out there. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Bye. All right, friends. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for listening to our reruns. I hope you enjoyed them. And maybe you're new here and you hadn't even heard them yet. So that's extra exciting as well. We'll be back with some great new episodes next week. You can connect with us on Instagram. We are why is everyone yelling over there? And I'd love to connect with you personally. Lindsay Hine, 626. Send me a message. Let me know what you think about the show. If you have any guests you'd love for us to book, I'm always open for suggestions. I hope that you took something helpful from this conversation today. Have a great rest of your day. And we will see you next week on why is everyone yelling?